Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to study your word. Lord, as we dig deep into your word, Lord, as we try to pull out different truths, Lord, I just pray your Holy Spirit would speak to us, Lord, that you would use this time, Lord, to, it's really is a time that it'd be our worship to you, to learn more about who we are in you, who, are, who we are to be in you, Lord, and how you would have us be. Lord, I praise you and I thank you. We love you so very much, Lord. So just take this time, Lord, to teach us, Lord. I just pray for your Holy Spirit's presence. I just pray that our hearts and our minds and our ears would be open and we would just, just everything would go quiet in our world, Lord. As I know as myself, there's so many things always going through my mind. But this time, this 45 minutes, this half hour, Lord, would be a time that we would just take and just focus on you and your instructions through your word. All God's people said, Amen. 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 So what do you think of my shirt? Ah, it's nice. So this is actually part of the sermon. So you see this shirt, right? This shirt, as you look at me and you see this shirt, it tells it you know me, right? So you know normally I don't really wear shirts like this, right? I mean, I like it. I'm going to wear it a lot. But what's it tell you? It tells you something, right? What's it tell you? I just got back from vacation. It tells you, right? So you can tell by what I'm wearing something, right? So this is going to play into the message a little bit that sometimes... You can see a way a person is dressed or how they act. It can tell you a little bit about them or what's going on. So that's one thing we'll talk a little bit more about. Now, another thing is, is I see everyone out, of there, out there, and I think a lot of you maybe have heard this saying as parents or maybe you've heard it before as to, I know it's not a good saying as I say this, right? But I think maybe some of you have seen your children or people doing things around you and you're like, don't say that word. That's a bad word, right? Maybe some of your parents. And then you're like, where did you learn that? And then they look and they say, I heard you say it, right? Or where do you learn? Or sometimes as parents, we see our, our bad behavior in our own children. And it actually is kind of frightening sometimes. You're like, you see your mannerisms come out. And you're like, it's usually not a positive thing, unfortunately, when you see that and recognize it. And sometimes people have even said, you know, as parents, and it's not a good saying, but do as I say, not as I do, right? We've heard this saying before, some people, do as I say, not as I do. So obviously that's not a good thing, right? Because obviously our actions should reflect what we say, right? But we've all heard that and we've all kind of seen different, especially as parents, seen our children do certain things where we're like, don't do that, but you do that. And you're like, well, it's interesting. So as we get into this, chapter today in Matthew chapter 23 is where we're going to be. You got to remember that. First of all, remember my shirt and remember how you can see because of what I'm wearing, I, it's saying something to you. You automatically recognize that I'd probably purchase this and come back with it. But also remember that saying that to do as I say, not as I do. And that's not a good saying. So today we are back in Matthew after about a two-week break. Uh, Last week, we were really blessed. Pastor Dan was here, shared a message. Um, I haven't got to even listen to it yet. I'm hoping it's on the recorder. Good. Salvi says it is. Good. Because I haven't got a chance to listen to it. I'm excited to listen to it. And I just want to thank him. He's not here, but make sure and tell him thank you. It allowed me to just relax on my holiday and not worry and just know that uh, everything was taken care of here. So thank you for everyone for that. Now, two weeks before that, I had taught in Jude, most of you that were here. And... We went through the whole book, 
and we learned an important lesson from Jesus' half-brother. Um, we, as we started through that book, we first started learning about identity. And we learned about Jude's identity and how he identified himself in that book of Jude, is how he introduced himself. And so we remember as he introduced himself, he introduced himself as a bondservant or a slave of Jesus Christ. Remember? And we said, wow, that's pretty neat because he could have said, hey, I am Jesus' brother. Listen to me. Right? Instead, he just, he doesn't even mention that he's related. He just introduces himself as Jesus' half, he introduces himself as a bondservant or a slave of Jesus. So right there you see a little bit, and we see what an example he gave us as a Christian leader and a leader within a church how to identify yourself. And so I think that was an amazing lesson. We learn also that Jude's passion or his desire, as he put it in his own words, God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. So we learn about Jude's heart or his intentions in writing the letter. And we saw as we saw who he was and his identity, and we saw his heart and his intentions, but then we saw that he had noticed a problem within the church. And then he addressed that in the letter. He addressed the fact that false teachers had came into the church and they were preaching a different, a false doctrine, or, and they were leading people astray with this teaching, talking about that they could, sin could continue because of Jesus' grace, which we know is a false teaching. So we also learned, as we saw this, and he was preaching against this false teaching, that he taught all of us that we need to stand in our faith. That when we see something, we need to stand up, and we need to stand up for who Jesus is and what he has done and the truth in God's word. And so it's important. Now, as we've seen this position that Jude had, we also needed to look at ourselves, right? What is our own identity, what is our own position within society, within our families, within the church? What defines us? What makes us who we are? I know that I would hope that I would have, as I go about and serve in the church and in the community, I would have the same intentions and the same desires as Jude to see everyone I know to have abundant mercy, peace, and love. That's a wonderful, I mean, that's wonderful. But, you know, we see this example but sometimes I've asked myself, I mean, I look back over my life as a Christian, as a father, as a husband, and I would ask myself, how do I become the man that God would desire me to be? Or how, what, what does that even look like? What, what is a definition of what that looks like? What is a definition of the person that God would have us be? What does that look like to each one of us? So as we start today, I want you to start thinking of that question. How would you define a godly man or a godly woman? What does that look like? What does an honorable man or woman look like? And how do we become that person? Now, who sets that? Like, who, what is the parameters? Who sets that definition, right? Is another question. There's a lot of questions we're looking at. But what is a parameter for an honorable person? Do you go to the dictionary? Do you go online? Do you go on Facebook? I mean, where does this, where does this come from? What is our goal in this? So as we dig into Matthew chapter 23, I also want to ask one more question as we talk about what an honorable man or woman is, is also is what is it for each of us to do ministry? 
I think, you know, the answer could maybe be a little different for each of us. But what is it to do ministry? What does that look like? Because I think there's a lot of different conceptions of what ministry is and also what our different roles in ministry are. So what is it to do ministry? What do you think it is for a pastor to do ministry? What is it for a worship leader to do ministry? What does that look like? I think in today's lesson, as we get into Matthew chapter 23, I think we will learn some of these answers and learn more about that. So if everyone wants to make sure you're in Matthew chapter 23, we're going to look at verse 1. Matthew chapter 23, verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples. Let's stop there. So as we start right there, just in verse 1, we've got to ask the question, who is Jesus addressing in this text? You see? As, we start, as I start this sermon, I've got to see that Jesus is talking to the crowds and the disciples, right? So I believe that everyone here would fit inside of this description of who this letter is addressed to. I think everyone, this letter is addressing every single one of us. It's not, I mean, it is written in Jesus' time, but what Jesus has to teach is specifically applicable to everyone here. That's who this is addressed to. So let's see what Jesus is going to teach about in verses 2 and 3. Verse 2. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreter of the law of Moses. So they practice and obey whatever they tell you. Sorry. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they preach. This is interesting as Jesus starts his teaching. You can see right in these first two verses that it comes with some examples and some instructions of what to do and what not to do. If you look at the, the verse 2 and 3. And as you start to look at them first, them two verses, you see there's two groups that Jesus is speaking to. Do you see the two groups? The Pharisees and the scribes. Now, but look closely as you look there also at the verses. Do you see, look closely at every word there as Jesus is instructing the people. He says, so practice and obey whatever they teach you, but don't follow their example. Look closely at that, but what is he talking about when he says to practice and obey whatever they teach you? He's speaking directly, if you look at it, as interpreters of the law of Moses. So I think that's really important that you look at that, that this instructions that Jesus is teaching here is specifically talking about God's word. And it's talking about when they're teaching, it's not about teaching about traditions or man-made rules, but it's talking about their interpretation of the law of Moses. And so that would be our Bibles today also. So it's very important. Now, as you see here, there's two words that Jesus used. Do you see? It's to obey. Do you see it? So practice and obey. So we have practice and obey. Jesus used two different words there. What is the difference? Why not just say obey the Bible? There's two different words used, and I think it's interesting. And I, I looked it up, and I looked up practice. What does that mean? And if I looked it up, it says to, to keep your eye upon or to hold fast. But then what is it to obey? To obey God's word. What does that mean? I have a huge, long definition because the word is, it says a prolonged action to abide, to agree, to bear, to commit, to continue, to continue without delay, 
to exercise, to hold, to have, to keep, to observe, to perform. A lot of different words there to define that word obey. To obey God's word. It continues. To tarry. It's interesting when you look that word up in all of the words that are used to define that word, what it is to obey God's word. It's much deeper and much more. When you just say obey, it's like, okay, I obey God's word. But when you go through that long list of definitions, there's much more to it for each one of us. And after I defined these words and looked at that, to practice and to obey, it really made me try to have a better understanding of what that is to follow God's word, to follow all that. So these English definitions of practice and obey, I think they don't, you have to look into it a little more. They don't really define, or we don't have a complete understanding until you start really defining that and understand what really Jesus is asking for each one of us here. Now, I think as you look through this, I think these, these religious leaders, as it's talking about, they really had a, uh, a false concept of what it meant to be righteous or what it meant to be a religious leader. Um, they believed... They had authority because of their positions. Just because of their positions, they believe they had authority. And we know, you know, as we get into this, I know that this chapter, this Matthew chapter 23, I don't know in America as much, but I know in Myanmar this is kind of difficult a little bit because it gets into titles, it gets to authority. And in this culture, that's really big. And so as we get into some of these things, if you have any questions afterwards, please let me know. Um, but as we get into this and talk about religious leaders and who their authority is, I just, I, it's very clear here that Jesus is teaching that there's only one authority. And it isn't the religious leaders. It is God. And sometimes that's, you know, I don't know, people struggle with that. And it's, our, our authority is the word of God. It's our Bibles. It's God. And in Jesus' time, these religious leaders, as Jesus is talking about, they were not the authority, but God was, and his word was. Their position was to teach the word of God and to help others and help to interpret the word of God. It was, it was, their position was to help others so they could learn the truths about God's word and so that others could practice and obey the word of God. That was their position. But God was the ultimate authority. Jesus is telling us that we're always to follow the Word of God, our Bibles, but not necessarily follow the examples that we see from these religious leaders. So that's kind of interesting. We're to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. It's interesting. So let's look at verse 4. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. So when Jesus is speaking of this in Jesus' day, especially in Jesus' day, there was a lot of additional rules or tradition the Jewish leaders had put on the people. They'd, they had placed it, they had made up, this still happens today, but they had made up this list. There's, I don't know, 600 and something different rules or traditions. And if you look at it, they would say that they had made these rules or made these traditions to help, quote, help the people follow the law of Moses. Now, we still have this take place in different uh, churches today. But these teachers, these teachers, these religious teachers and these religious leaders were doing the opposite of what Jesus teaches us to do in ministry. Their view or concept of ministry really was false or it was self-led. 
really, as we see in this text, these people were hypocrites, these religious leaders. They were teaching the correct teachings, but their lives were something different. So, you know, this teaching, as we look into it, is interesting, though, because we, we would initially read this and see it as like a rebuke to the religious leaders. I don't think it's really so much as a rebuke to the religious leaders. I think it's more a warning to the disciples in the crowd and to us not to follow the religious leaders' behavior. And again, a reminder that our authority comes from God, not the religious leaders. And so it's interesting. Jesus has a lot to say about these religious leaders, and we're going to get into that starting in verse 5. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra long tassels. The leaders were following scripture literally, in a sense, they thought. We'll turn real quick so you can just understand kind of what this prayer box is and what these tassels are a little bit. So let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, just to give us a little context to what these guys were doing. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repent, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them down on doorposts of your home and on your gates. So you can see there in Deuteronomy is talking about how they've gotten this tradition of putting these prayer boxes on their foreheads and tying them on and, got, and on their wrists. So you can see where they've got this from. It's also We're going to turn, turn it back a few pages to Numbers, chapter 15, verse 37. It's going to talk about the tassels. Numbers 13, 37. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Throughout the generations to come, you must make tassels for the hems of your clothing and attach them with a blue cord. When you see the tassels, you will remember and obey all the commands of the Lord instead of following your own desires own desires, and defiling yourselves, as you are prone to do. The tassels will help you remember that you must obey all my commands and be holy to your God. And it continues there. So these prayer boxes, they were like a small leather box. And inside this little box would have four tiny scrolls. And on each of the scrolls would be a scripture that was written, right? Turn back to Matthew chapter 23 there. So they would have one tied around their head. You can imagine the box on their head. It seems funny to us, right? I mean, we think about it, it kind of seems odd. And then one on their wrist. And then they would go out with these boxes and they would go out to pray. Now, there's not necessarily anything wrong with what they were doing. The problem was now, as Jesus is talking about here, is these boxes were becoming bigger and bigger and bigger, right? So they were doing, now, instead of just doing this, they were doing it for, so others would see them and see how big their boxes, I bet they, it doesn't say, but I don't think, I bet you it wasn't just getting bigger and bigger, I bet they were even getting fancy too. Who knows exactly? But they were doing this so everyone else could see how holy they believed they were. And it, you know, these, this, outward doing this, it wasn't necessarily wrong. It was their hearts and what they were doing and how they were doing. They were doing it now with a prideful heart. And so, not good. Now, I think while I was in Israel not too long ago, I don't know, did you witness the guys come up with the boxes? And you did see it, huh? 
They'll come out and they'll read the scriptures and pray. So this is still happening today. It's very interesting. What's interesting, you can still see this within Christian Christians also, though. You can see that certain Christians will wear certain things, like certain clothing or uh, certain collars, or even some would wear certain robes. And they would do this just so others could look upon them and see who they were. Now, this is, I mean, it's not always that way. Some people maybe are not doing this just for show or to show how holy they are. But many times, unfortunately, they do it just so people, they can be noticed, right? And this is what Jesus is talking about. Because we can see that these leaders had the wrong view of what it was to be great. Their focus was on outward, doing outward actions or outward signs. So Jesus is going to continue this, talking about this in verse 6. Verse 6 in Matthew chapter 23. And they loved to sit at the head table at the banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. These leaders, their desires, their inward desires, they were, they were to be seen. They wanted to be noticed. They wanted to be honored in front of men. Now, as it talks about these seats of honor, it's interesting. Nobody's sitting in the front row here, okay? So in Jesus' time, these seats of honor, it would have been a little bit different. So you would take this front row of chairs, and you'd put them right here, and you'd turn them the other way. So you'd have the teacher, right? Then you'd have this front row of chairs, and it'd be all the honored seats, right? And so these guys would sit up here so all of you could see them. This is happening in Jesus' time. So you could see them praying. You could see how spiritual they were. You could notice them. You could give them acknowledgement. That's what Jesus is actually talking about when he's talking about these people that wanted to sit in these seats of honor. You know where I'm going. Garner's looking at me laughing. You know? I won't say too much on it, but it's funny how we see this today happening in churches today. And this is exactly what Jesus is rebuking that we as Christians especially Christian leaders, should not do. Because it was done to show for people to look upon you, to be noticed. So let's, let's just, I won't get into much of my soapbox with that. And we'll go to, because everyone knows. Let's go to verse 7. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. These leaders, they wanted, they desired, they didn't just desire, they would actually request to be acknowledged in their titles. You know, it's still happening today, isn't it? As we look at these scriptures and we see these writings from Jesus, we see the same problems today. Jesus is warning the disciples, he's warning the Christians, and us not to seek recognition from men in the form of titles, such as doctor, pastor, reverend, deacon, elder. We can go on. So Jesus is warning us. He's warning us that what is our hearts in doing that I, I, I watched a thing on TV the other day, and it was an interview on the news channel. And the man was interviewing a lady, and, and I don't know, remember what her name was, but maybe it was Mary. I don't know. I don't remember what her name was. And the, the reporter says, excuse me, says Mary, and, and she looked at him and said, excuse me, when you speak to me, you will refer to me as doctor. And, and he says, and he apologized. He says, no problem, ma'am. I will, or, you know, I will call you doctor. I'm sorry. I thought we were on a first-name basis. She says, no. You refer to me as doctor. And it's funny, as I saw that on the news channel, as I watched that, and uh, instead of, yeah, so it's kind of interesting. So look at verse 8. Don't let anyone call you rabbi, for you have only one teacher, and all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. Jesus is clear. All of us. All of us are equal in Christ as 
fellow believers as brothers and sisters in Christ. None of us are above anyone else. We are all just fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We are all there to worship God and not man. Look at verse 9. And don't address anyone here on earth as father, for only God in heaven is your father. Only God is to be exalted. Jesus teaches very clearly here that no man, no man should ever have this spiritual, spiritual title as father. And that's not talking about like my son calling me father. He is talking about spiritually, a spiritual title as father. You know, while these others, he kind of says, you know, be careful. But in this one, he's very clear that it's only God that is our spiritual father. It is not a man ever. And we're never to give that title to another, a man, that authority to anyone besides God. So there's many religions today that address religious leaders this way, even today, right? Um, I was just with some family, and that's how they do it in their church. And I don't know how they would really read this and still do that. I'm not really sure. I've never... I thought about it, and I was listening to some commentaries on it, Bat. So if I was introduced to uh, a member of a, a different uh, reli- or Christian religion, and they wanted to be, this is Father so-and-so, right? And I would have a hard time, how do I respond to that person? How do I address that person? Especially after reading this scripture, right? How do I address that person? I've not been in that position, but I would have difficulty with this, especially after seeing this. It would be difficult for me. Uh, the scripture is clear that this pos- this position of father is only for God. Uh, you know, I, I have been in a similar position, I believe. And um, when I say this, some of you may disagree, and that's all right. And we can agree to disagree. But I believe the position of pastor is reserved, biblically speaking, for men. And as I say, we can agree to disagree on that. But I believe firmly that's what the scripture says. And so I, I'm introduced some of my close friends, actually, are women, and they would say they are pastors. And so I, I, I even struggle with, I have struggled with that, though, where they go, this is pastor so-and-so, and they want me to acknowledge them as a pastor. So it's interesting as we read through this and we deal with that, because I don't think I should, biblically speaking, I don't think, we're not to call someone father, but I also, with a pastor role, I also have a hard time when it is a woman that is a pastor to say, pastor so-and-so. So I don't know. You, I think each of us have to walk through that ourselves. Um, I'm not, because I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the person. I love that person just like any other person. Um, you know, we, we would disagree on that fact, but that still does not account to my view of that person. I still love that person like anyone else. So it's interesting, though. But I think this position is definitely reserved. This especially father is definitely reserved for God never for a man, because it's really, sta- what Jesus is stating here is that authority comes from God, not man. Look at verse 10. And don't let anyone call you teacher. Sorry, guys. For you have been co- only one teacher, the Messiah. Interesting here, huh? I mean, this is such a difficult message, especially in Myanmar, because everybody is title, title, titles. Say, uh, teacher. Um, I will say this. This is not that you cannot call someone pastor and you cannot call someone teacher. So don't get too hung up on that. This is really addressing a person's heart, right? This is really addressing a person's pride. This is addressing a person that wants recognition from other people. But also, it's, so it, it's difficult, right? 
um, it's just, it's kind of difficult. He's continuing, Jesus is continuing this lesson about titles. Uh, one commentary said it this way. In these words, Jesus described true discipleship. You are not to be called rabbi did not mean that Jesus refused anyone that title. Rather, this means that a learned teacher should not allow anyone to call him rabbi in a sense of a great one. That kind of made sense. So, basically, we've got to be very careful with titles and acknowledgement and who has authority. Because, you know, within a church body, within a fellowship, you start creating these titles, and this person's above that person, and this person's lower than this person. Really, in God's church... All that does is cause division and separation among God's people because we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's look at the last few verses, 11 and 12. The greatest among you will be a servant. Okay. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So as we read this, we read the results the results of living according to Jesus' instruction here. We see what happens and we also see the consequences of not living the way Jesus has said. Jesus is clear here. He's given us instructions on how to be a Christian. Not only how to live as a Christian, but especially how to live as a Christian leader by following Jesus' example. So as we close, I, I was thinking about a few things. Um, I think a lot of us, I, I mean, there's a lot of people here that sit under some great teachers, right? Some great Bible teachers. You're like... All of us, we've said it under different teachers. And I remember one pastor, and he taught on a marriage. It was very biblical. It was amazing teaching, right? I learned a lot from this guy. I'm like, how to be married, what marriage was, what it was biblically, you know, how to have a successful marriage. And then, as I learned, and I actually wanted to use his resources to teach on marriage, right? Now, here's a sad story. You know what we found out later about the guy? The guy was committing adultery, this pastor. I mean, he was teaching all about marriage, and it was sound, sound teaching. But later found out, I mean, he's not a pastor now, he's, you know, but the guy was committing adultery. How do you deal with that, right? I mean, you're using these resources that you're like, wow, this is great. I mean, it was sound. It was sound teaching. But this, he was not. He was obviously not. It's a reminder that any man, any person can fall into sin. And I think... This is why this lesson here today is so important about authority and titles. Because it's a reminder for all of us to follow God's word and not man. So what do you do with that guy's teaching after that? Interesting question. You know? Because the teaching, I'm telling you, it was a good teaching. But unfortunately, the man did fall into sin. It happens. I believe this is kind of the heart here as we look at that kind of example of what Jesus is trying to teach us. Is again, to follow God's word. And don't get so wrapped up in following a man or following a person or following a religion or putting titles on people or elevating people or exalting people. Because, you know, I exalted that guy. I'm like, Dad, this guy's got this, this, and this, and this. But it wasn't him. It was God's word is where this need to come from and not him. Because people fail all the time. Uh, one, uh, one, another commentary said it this way. God has placed spiritual leaders in the church, but they must not replace God in our lives. A true spiritual leader directs his people into freedom and into a closer fellowship with Christ, not into bondage to his ideas and beliefs. Now, as we looked at that, I think we also have to take this lesson as we kind of looked at this chapter and see, kind of look at it a little more personally. What is it to be a humble servant? What is it wrong or what will lead, 
one person, what, what will it take for us to be honored in our own lives and the work that we do? Is it wrong? Is it wrong to be honored? I'll tell you one thing. Our success that we have should be based on one thing, and that's our obedience to God. That's what, how we should be honored. That's how we should see success is our obedience to God. We need to make sure that we are not saying that saying, like I said earlier, do as I say, not as I do. We, our actions should match our beliefs. It should match the word of God. Our actions should be backed up by that. And they should see our actions. And then when they see that, you can match that up to the word of God. It shouldn't be that way where you say, do as I do, or, you know, that should not be that way. So we have to be very careful. We should not be trying to build ourselves up or exalt ourselves by seeking positions, seeking positions of honor, um, trying to get other people's attention by seeking these titles. Um, this is, you know, every, whenever we would do this, this is just contrary to what Jesus has taught. He was a humble servant. Now, as I thought about this in the prayer boxes, right, I don't see anybody with any prayer boxes today. Nobody with tassels? Anybody have tassels? No, no tassels. No prayer shawls? They still use that in some prayer shawls. You can see that with extra long tassels. That's kind of what they evolved to now. So you're like, well, I don't really struggle that. I don't struggle with putting a prayer, big prayer box on my forehead. I don't, prayer, I don't struggle with having extra long tassels on my clothes to show off to everyone how holy I am, right? But that doesn't mean we're not immune, does it? We each have our own ways to seek man's approval or to feed that ugly little thing inside of us sometimes called pride. It's obviously not prayer boxes now. It's not even culturally, like, it doesn't happen today, right? But what is it for us today? I was thinking about it. What's some of the things? So we don't have prayer boxes on our wrist, but remember them bracelets? What was it? WWJD? What would Jesus do? You guys, A lot of you guys had them bracelets, right? So the point of the bracelet was, is like you would look at it and you'd always remember, what would Jesus do, right? So that was a, that's a good thing, right? That's not a bad thing, right? So in today's time, you could say you could have one of them, what would Jesus do bracelets, right? Now, if you got like 30 of them and put them on your wrist, right? You're like, hey, look at me. I am holier than thou because I have 30 of these bracelets on my wrist while you only have one, right? I don't see anybody with 30 bracelets, but uh, another one I thought about, this one might tickle somebody. What about crosses on your neck? That's something relevant to today's society. My wife has a beautiful cross on her neck, right? But what's her, what about, what's her intention in wearing it? Is it maybe so it could be like this to remind her when she feels it, when she sees it, or when she looks in the mirror, that who she is in Christ? Or is it to show everyone how expensive it is and look at me? I can't answer that question. Um, I'm pretty sure I know my wife pretty well, but uh, each of us have our own things that we can fall into. And it, maybe it's not a Christ, maybe it's not a what would Jesus do bracelet, but maybe it's a great big Bible. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a, too many Jesus stickers on your car. I, I don't know. But we each have things that we can do to have people look at us for admiration. So I think we need to examine ourselves always to make sure we have this servant heart that Jesus is speaking of here, to make sure that we are always seeking God's praise and not man's. Um, you know, these titles, it's difficult in this culture. As I read this and I was thinking, you know, don't call me teacher, don't call me rabbi, don't call me pastor, don't call me deacon. If you ever want to know how I would like you to call me, it's Aaron. Just call me Aaron. If you call me pastor, it's okay. I'm not going to correct you or say, please don't do that. I'm not going to do that. But I will tell you honestly, Aaron is great. Just fine. Um, 
I don't, I don't need that. I do this for God. Um, God is your authority. It's surely, it's not me. I will fail. As I, obviously, I hope I would never fail like that man I shared about, but we're just people. We're just brothers and sisters. And our responsibility as Christians is just to come along each other and to study God's word. So, again, if you want to call me pastor, that's okay. I'm not going to say anything, but Aaron is just, I would actually feel better with that. Um, but, it's interesting in this culture because there's more to it culturally. This actually goes against the grain of the culture, I believe, in Myanmar a little bit, not to give someone a title. Even, I think even, they ask your, like a lot of people ask our age, like before they will even, just to give you that different way they, to address you because of your age. So it's interesting. And again, let's try not to have any chairs up on the stage. But anyways, let's, uh, we're going to close in Galatians. It's kind of interesting. This was the last passages we looked at Tuesday and how much it applied to today's passage. So if everyone's got your Bibles, we're going to close with just reading some scripture in Galatians. Chapter 6. If the worship team wants to head up, get ready here. We'll read this. Galatians chapter 6, verse 12 through 18. And I think it's interesting. This just sums up the message today in my eyes. Galatians chapter 6, verse 12. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. For now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that I show that I belong to Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. Amen. So as we read that, the worship team is going to lead us in a song. I just, it's a reminder for us all to be careful with these pride, with titles, with looking. I mean, I see some people out here as I look, and I see a lot of people that have been very successful, like in their careers or maybe in their education. I see, I mean, I see PhDs out there right now. I see some people that are very successful in education. I see. But it's not about drawing people to us. It's about drawing people to God is what it comes down to. And so, I don't know. It's, just, it's a difficult message when we talk about titles in Myanmar. So I love you guys, and I hope this was received well. And really, I just I love you guys. So join me in prayer, and then the worship team will close, close us up. Heavenly Father, I love you so much, and I just thank you for this reminder, hopefully a gentle reminder of who we are, Lord, and who you are, that you are the authority in your word. Our Bible is the authority. It is never man, Lord. Although we are given, some of us, a position from you to teach that word of God, to teach your word to others, to help others understand how to be as Christians, Lord, you are the authority. It is not us. We are merely interpreters, just teachers of that, Lord, to just guide other people along that path, Lord. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that's who we are in, in you. And Lord, I pray that all of us, Lord, we would just be careful, Lord, as we go out into the world, Lord, that 
people would look towards you, not towards us. And we would never be the person that would draw people to a church or to a pastor, but we would draw people to seek after you, Lord. Lord, I know it's difficult sometimes. I mean, I look out today and I just see like, oh, what church do you go to? Or um, who is your, you know, just different things, Lord. I, Lord, I just pray for all of us, especially for me, Lord, that it would always be about you. It would always be about the cross and our redemption and your, Lord, we just love you so much, Lord. So let this always be about our love for you and your love for us, Lord. Never about us, Lord. So, Lord, let us be humble servants. Lord, let us be the ones that are serving each other. Let our love for each other be shown through our service to each other. And, Lord, I just thank you and praise you, Lord. I just thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.